Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome to another edition of the Lunchtime Chats. I'll give the crew some time, a couple minutes to get on board. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I am a consciousness acceleration expert. Uh, I am here to, and we are here to be talking about uh, in these chats, topics and issues that are significant for us starseeds, way showers, new paradigm visionaries. We have perspectives, we have abilities that are not embraced by our larger human family. Therefore, we have very unique perspectives to our particular uh, demographic um, that is rarely addressed out there in the media world. So I'm here to, uh, to do to the best of my ability um, to bring a liberated perspective to these topics and issues that are significant for us during these uh, times of change, miracles, and chaos. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. Go ahead, say hi. Let me know you're here when you get on board. Hello, darling Louise. Good to see you. Hello, Carol. Good to see you. Yes, yes, yes. Glad you made it live too. Uh, so we're going to talk about, there's a few things that, um, well, there's a few things I've been asked to talk about and there's some things that I want to bring forward. So I'm going to uh, strike a balance here. I'm going to, you know, talk about you know, for those of you that have, we just went to a retrograde, for those of you who normally or often have a difficult time with Mercury and retrograde, I want to talk about some practical things you can do to help harmonize the difficulties that show up in your life. And then um, I'm going to talk also about um, ET, ET contact, um, contact of the um, contact experiences and uh, and a few things around that. And then I'm also going to weave in through this entire conversation what it means to be a master of Dreamtime. Because um, here at the Dreamtime um, Healing Project, we work with dreams in a very, very different way. And it's, and it's foreign to most people. And that's because most people, when they think about dream work, they think about uh, dream interpretation, uh, looking at dreams to pinpoint ways that perhaps... Um, uh, you're not in alignment with your intentions or, you know, like manifesting things. And we uh, work dream time in a very, very different way. And it's because we're not as infinite beings in a bio suit. The vision is much bigger than just being a, you know, a, uh, a successful business person or to, you know, manifest material things. We're really um, working for the advancement of humanity. And I think this is why mostly it's elders that engage this level of dream time. Because as elders, we are not thinking about building our empire. We've already lived you know, that significant aspect of our lives already. We're now more in the space of what is the legacy? What is the legacy we leave? So this is an... I'm going to say very, very, very extremely juxtaposed <laughs> to what most people consider dream work. So 
I want to talk about that and have it. I'm going to see if I can just weave it in through this entire conversation because it is, even though it sounds loft, lofty and out here, it has very real here and now implications, very powerful implications. So um, hopefully I'll be able to illustrate that as I continue. Hello, dear Beverly. Glad you're here. Hey, Kristen. Good to see you. Yeah, you guys are making it live. That's awesome. All right, so let's see where do I, where do I begin? Let's start with the with the uh, the communication planet, our dear uh, planet Mercury. Um, so Mercury goes into retrograde a couple times a year. So it's a something that happens pretty cons pretty significant um, consistently, and some people can't even tell that the retrograde is happening, and other people feel extremely affected by it. Oftentimes, even before the retrograde um, goes full on. So I want to talk about why that happens and what what you could be doing. Okay. So first, let's look at, um, you know, what are, in astrology, the planets are, we're, we're relating to the planets as the earth being the center point. So we're relating to, to the planets that we see in the sky um, as going forward and backward and, you know, having certain angles and a relationship to us in this, in this plane. So, so when it comes to a retrograde, it's not that a planet actually is, you know, changing its course around the sun. It's really talking about in the sky, it looks like it's moving backwards. Okay. Which means the energy, the consciousness that that living that living presence holds is walking backwards. And this is, you know, based on the idea that all the celestial, all the celestials in our night sky are living, breathing beings. They're all um, a level of consciousness that are contributing into the nesting doll of our reality. Okay. You know, I talk about these nesting dolls. There's all these nesting dolls that work together through consensus to create our reality. So um, our the planets that we perceive from this realm are part of that. And the the thing about working with planetary energies, the mythology that's around these planets is very helpful to understand relationship. But we all have our own unique relationship to these pieces. For example, some people work really great with Pluto energy because we're going into underworld um, levels of consciousness is something that's really easy for them versus someone who has a real difficult time working with underworld energies that, you know, Pluto could be, you know, <laughs> the worst thing ever happening in their lives, which, you know, I know people on both sides of that. So. So Mercury is something that is about our understanding. It's about how we choose to communicate. It's about, you know, um, uh, seeing things in an either broad or narrow scope. This is to me. Uh, and also technology falls under the category, under the domain of, of Mercury, a.k.a. Apollo. And when uh, there's certain... Um, anecdotal statements that are made about the retrograde, like when you have a lot of electrical issues or a lot of communication issues with electronics, oh, it must be retrograde. Or they would say, there's a, um, a saying that you never go into long commitments 
went during a retrograde, Mercury retrograde particularly, um, because misunderstandings are likely to be there that aren't seen and you don't find out until after you're deep into the commitment, you know, stuff like this. Um, but it's much broad, it, you know, there's a lot more um, stages that impacts us. And, and because these, these broad strokes, we apply to every, you know, we try to apply to, um, to us all, it's, it's not, that's not very accurate. And it can lead to confusion and it can lead to, you know, further um, feelings of disempowerment or further feelings of being out of control with this energy. Okay, so collective fields are important and consensus is the, the major piece to these collective fields and how we navigate them. The, the thing is, is that there's a lot of things happening in our collective field. Some things split energy, some things reverse energy, some things invert energies. And regardless of what's happening to this energy, we eventually have to decide how to work with that energy ourselves with our own personal being or our own personal perspective and free will so maybe we're getting the energy inverted or reversed or reflective or split or whatever uh we you know we are still faced with um how to how to take this so retrograde especially Mercury, it's an ideal time to look back on things, reflect about things. And that's because the energy is already going in that direction. If you have an energy in the collective that's moving backwards and you're, you know, pushing forwards, you know, you're, you're bulldozing yourself forward, it's not going to be a very harmonious um, movement forward. It's going to, you know, like, you know, it's like walking with cinder blocks on your feet. And, and this is part of the alchemy of working with these nesting dolls is understanding how to move and be flexible enough for these energies to flow through you through your existence the more we fight an energy the more chaotic stuff happens so when we have an energy flowing through us that we're not expressing that that starts swirling and it becomes like a chaotic cesspool so to speak and then that opens the door to dark energies for parasitic energies for opportunistic type beings to feed off these energies, okay? So it's really um, significant for us as humans to understand how to let this life force flow through us, how to be on the wave with it versus fighting it. So if you guys have ever had a astrological chart done, and it could be Vedic or, or um, sidereal or um, tropical, doesn't matter. Um, it's really about it's really about the placement. So you want to look at where the placement is. Oh, let me talk a second about the different things I just mentioned. So Vedic astrology and uh, Western tropical astrology are different um, in that there's, I think it's a 22 or 23 degrees difference. And that's because um, the Western astrology, all the placements of the planets are done by calculation as if the Earth's axis goes up and down. The Vedic astrology is um, talking about where the planets are literally in this, you know, in the sky as the Earth rotates and this axis moves. Okay. So it takes into account the procession. A procession of the equinox and that is that as the as the earth spins this axis the north 
pole of the in the south pole this axis changes the stars that it points to so um, this is significant in that you know the kinds of information uh, will come through and resonate in different ways and the way I've come to understand it and this is just my own experience and in the place that I've come to it, uh, Rail and I, our resident astrologer, have had many conversations about this. And the feeling is, is that, you know, Vedic astrology is, is like soul astrology and the Western astrology is more like um, ego driver astrology, like who you are as a cultivated human um, with, you know, with an ego driver to function in this matrix. And the Vedic is maybe more, um, you know, who you are on a soul signature level. So different people get attracted to different ones. They both work for me. When we were researching starseed origin charting, um, the, the Western astrology did not work at all. And which makes sense because when we're talking about starseed origins, we're talking about soul level frequencies. So, so the, um, the Vedic, uh, the Vedic um, model was more harmonious for honing in on starseed origins. So, <clears throat> so getting back to all these energies are flowing to us through these nesting dolls to our here and our reality for us to navigate. So when there's an energy that is moving backwards, we need to accommodate that energy, give it a harmonious place in our lives while it's happening. So whether you go by Vedic or Western doesn't matter because when you look up in the night sky, Mercury is mo moving backwards, okay? So what you can do is look at the chart that you have for yourself that you resonate with, Vedic or tropical, or, or um, yeah, tropical, uh, and see where your placement is of Mercury. Now, if your Mercury is like the ruler of your entire chart, then, you know, this is more about um, that means that means that your um, your rising sign is um, ruled by Mercury. So what that means is looking at how you reflecting on how you present yourself to the world. How do you engage in this world? Reflecting on that, journaling on that, maybe doing some poetry, writing some song or making some art about reflections on that. That would be a way to give this energy flow a harmonious place to go. Um, what's important is that you, you're aligning your creativity with the energy flow. You can really grow and deepen by doing that. You can flush out things from your that have been hidden in your subconscious by doing that. Now, my um, Mercury in uh, Western astrology, astrology is in the seventh house, which is all about committed relationships. So, of course, so what I'm doing for me personally is just reflecting on where I'm at in my committed relationships. So that could be family, that's friends, that's um, commitments to certain um, groups of people, organizations, stuff like this. And I spend, now Mercury just went in it to its official retrograde. So, so my, it's my intention to spend time reflecting and going back and looking, taking a closer look at all these energies and feeling into where have I, you know, the whole year since the solstice of last year till now, what's been happening in those 
stage on those stages of my life and then where I'm at now in relationship to where things are at. Now, if you if I were in a really busy get her done kind of um, state of mind, this would take a lot of extra bandwidth that I wouldn't have. But because I'm aware of these patterns, I set time in my life to do this. So this is something that I do regularly during this solstice season. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the solstice, this is the winter solstice for the northern hemisphere, which means it's the longest night of the year. And in the lore, this is the time when the old uh, king battles the new king. And the old king dies and the new king rises. So the new king is the new dawn. That is the, the first light from the, the, um, the first light of dawn from the darkest night of the year. This is the solstice. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, of course, it's the opposite. It's the, uh, the longest day of the year. <laughs> so that energy is going to be different, of course. So it's an ideal time to reflect and get clarity, perhaps where you haven't had clarity before, or maybe you've been kind of dragging your feet on deciding where you are in relationship to a situation. Or maybe you've had a lot of ups and downs this year and you are reflecting on the wisdom you've gained from it. Um, maybe there's some painful things that happened this year. Can you, can you extrapolate the gifts from those painful places? Okay. So, you know, it's a time to take care of yourself. Honestly, this is really about managing yourself as a multidimensional human. You're not just your personality. You're not just the roles that you play in the world. You are, uh, you have several levels of yourself within these nesting dolls in action. Okay. And when you're in touch with your multidimensional nature, you really graduate past the idea of manifesting something and you're really um, stepping into the life force flow of creating that which is right for you that is in alignment with your spirit the reason why you've chosen to incarnate in this biosuit at this time in this realm okay this is a um, people might call it synchronicity people might call it magic people, you know, there's some labels for it, but really it's the natural way of being. And this is what the elders of the most ancient lineages of the planet have been uh, teaching us for quite some time. I say teaching us because they have been very, very active in the dream realms for many centuries and especially over the past several decades because they have known this transition time is coming and they have been setting the stage in these nesting dolls for us to wake up and pretty much like hit the ground running with these levels of our of who we are now a lot of these levels of who we are are not 
uh, let's say, um, incongruency with the linear mind and with the ego driver and, you know, in certain ways. So it takes a lot of uh, nurturing. It takes a lot of care to help us open into these realms of ourselves and start operating from them. And we have this idea that, you know, um, these lineages are primitive, but I'm here to tell you they are not primitive at all. If anything, they're far, far more advanced in that they don't need technology to access things that technology is normally needed for. Um, and a great example is what we, is several of the narratives that we talk about in the, um, in the disclosure arena. And, we, um, and the whole concept of uh, ETs. Now, I know there's a whole misnomer about the term ET, but I'm just going to use that term because that's the term we know when we're talking about uh, beings not from this realm. But really, most of the time, when we're talking about ET interaction, we're talking about interdimensional communication. It's not... It's not um, it's not in the same kind of reality that most people think of. For example, um, there's a very uh, popular person in the disclosure movement that encourages contact with ships. Okay. And, you know, this is a thing. You can do this, but you don't need to. It doesn't need to be that um, formal of a thing. It could be something that happens every night when you go to sleep. It doesn't need to be, you know, when you see a ship and you get their attention and then you need to do this and then you need to do that. It doesn't need to be this way. It can be simply placing your intention when you go to sleep. I want to talk to the Palladians tonight, you know, and invite them forward. And chances are, if you have an awareness of Palladians, you already have a connection. You've already activated perhaps that level of your own DNA. So, you know, I have a hard time talking about ETs in the way that the that's framed up in the disclosure movement, because for me, it's such an ingrained, it's like a, it's a thing that's a part of us, you know, humans were seeded by many different um, races, according to the ancient dreamers, masters of dream time, that we have star family, they are quite literally our brothers and sisters, because we have because the they gave us part of their DNA. And there are different kinds of humans. Not every human is the same mixture of star, uh, star elder DNA. So some are, you know, some have a more activated Palladian exaggeration. Some have more Syrian, some have more Arcturian, some have more Andromedan. But, you know, there, there's, it's said that there's 12 base races that donated their DNA for this grand, for this grand game that we're playing here. But um, there's also folks that talk about there's been new introductions of DNA to the human pool. And that is um, during the time of uh, around just after the times after the flood. Okay. Yeah, I like that too. I like calling ET star people. Um, um, but even that can be misleading because there are beings that we're calling ETs that are actually been on this planet longer than humans. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, who's the alien here, right? Um, 
and they they live in interdimensional realms of this realm you know and then you have the whole fey realm and they can also present as as an et slash star being you know not that there aren't uh palladian fey and syrian fey because there are but um yeah so it's like we haven't i like interdimensional but that kind of throws people off. I like star people because that has a much more softer connotation. E.T. still has a little bit of that that mystery of they could be bad. They could be malicious. You know, we have a lot of programming in our collective about, you know, E.T. invasions. You know, you guys know this. So, um, but it's all up to us to find, find out that relationship. But let me go back to, so the time of the flood. So the time of the flood, this is where the Anu race came in and was weaving their dna into the gene pool and this is where we get the um the teachings of the giants the nephilim the um the nephilim and the anunnaki and you know the the stories of mesopotamia and babylon and and all of these demigods from greek and roman mythology it's like these these beings really existed it's all hidden in plain sight i mean they talk about um I mean, in the the myths of the mythology of Zeus, Zeus, you know, disguising himself as a shower of gold to seduce a woman into carrying his child. You know, this is if you look at it in a um, as a multidimensional being, you realize that's that's a real story. That's a true story right there. There really was a sacred, uh, a sacred uh, woman of the of the sisterhood that had the capacity to um to gestate and give birth to a highly evolved self-realized being and that's what they needed in order to bring their bloodline into their dna into this bloodline so in a lot of ways we are we are we're all star people in in descent there are they're spoken about a single race that is that is specifically earth originated but you know most of them most of the indigenous talk about being descendants from the stars and uh i think there's what there's one tribe in australia i think it's australia or new zealand i might have this those two mixed up um that talk about originating directly out of the dream of the mother they so they did not um come from any specific star people race they came directly from about the uh, the womb of the sacred mother. So there's only one race that can claim that. All of us are we're all immigrants, really. <laughs> um, and this is this is hard to um, explain to a layperson because you know there's like I said there's this narrative frame up going on that puts us a, a skew puts a skew on the understanding to such where it's really difficult to let that go and then the disclosure movement kind of reinforces the skew more and more and more now there are deep truths coming out of this disclosure movement and um and this this gets brought to my attention by a folks in our Dreamtime uh project so we work in the Dreamtime Healing Project, like I said, to to step out of the matrix of manifestation and into direct source creation. And that takes time. It takes mastery. 
And I'm not talking about lucid dreaming because even in your lucid dream, you can be in the matrix in that, that 4D matrix, you know. And of course, there's overlays of technology and other things that obscure the, um, you know, the perception into the realms beyond the 4D field of dream time. So like I said, it takes skill. So if you're lucid dreaming and you're waking up in your dream, which is great, but then if you're just doing human stuff, you know, like flying and having fun, or, or maybe you have the awareness to start looking for where the 3D, where the physical spectrum of reality is overlapping with the dream reality, you know, then you're starting to, you know, explore some pretty cool things. But um, not a lot of people do that when they wake up in their dream, they do it to, you know, they they're doing other things. Um, There's a teaching out there that when you wake up in your dream, what you need to do is meditate in your dream. Because your dream is an enveloped reality of the matrix that you're in all the thoughts and feelings and engagement is coming from your subconscious and these are all your ideas about how reality is and how it works and this is why this is what makes our the way we work with dreams time so extraordinarily different is that we're we're stepping beyond those veils beyond those veils beyond those veils and that requires the unwinding of blind spots which there's which means there's a lot of purification and healing that needs to happen in order to have that capacity more and more people within our community are opening up to that capacity and we just recently after what three four three years four years of working diligently in dream realm we've just now reached max capacity or um, critical mass as far as having enough people with that capacity to open pat you know to go past those levels into in in the dream realm so you know it's it's not quick it takes a commitment to your personal connection with self um but you know working with how to harmonize these energies like with this planetary stuff i'm talking about is a part of figuring out decoding let's call it the um the overlays of the 4d field and our dream time so because what what it is is that you're under you're starting to understand what it is to harmonize energies versus resist them make them wrong try to control them harmony doesn't come out of control harmony comes out of working with energy okay so this is the alchemization of proper use of power power with the universal force not power over which is what a lot of humans have their frame up um, with. All right, let's check in real quick here. We have a couple comments. <clears throat> ah, Darren, you finally made it. <laughs> awesome. Glad to see you. Hello, Chica. Hello, Susan. Hi, Tony. Um, hi, Felicia. Okay, she's in and then she's out. And then we have, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought I saw a couple more comments drop in, but it, maybe that was just in my imagination. Or maybe you're some few of you are thinking about it and haven't entered yet. <laughs> anyway, so I have some uh, some pieces for you guys to consider. Okay, and this is again also coming from some of the most ancient lineages of this planet. There are beings, there are tribes in existence that have not been conquered by the Inquisition. Okay. They're few and far between, yes. 
And there's some to this day who are purposefully avoiding any kind of contact with the outside world. Many um, went into hiding over decades and decades and decades and are just now or just recently in these recent times coming out. And one of them is the, um, the Kogi, like I mentioned in, the, in another talk. You know, they um, went into isolation and and have been, you know, exposing themselves slowly, I think since the 90s, uh, to the outer world. And they, um, so they came out and said, hey, this is your big brother. Um, wake up, you're causing havoc. The systems of the planet are becoming destabilized, blah, blah, blah. And then they went back into their isolation and then they came out again. And I think they, I think it was 15 years later, seven years and then, then another um, seven years. And then they're like, hey, wake up. And they noticed that people aren't waking up. So then they amped up their campaign to reach out to humanity more. And what's interesting about these tribes, and this isn't the only tribe, this is just the one that's known, semi-known. Drembolo Melchizedek and some other people um, brought these tribes into the awareness of the Western mind. But, but anyway, though these beings have been cut off from society purposefully for for many decades, or if not centuries, okay, because they knew the Inquisition was coming, they um, still know about technologies of our time. Not only do they know about the technologies of our time, they are fully versed on the, the broad scope of what AI is, okay? They know about the, um, the dance brought forward by the jib-jab. They know about this. Now, they don't have news. They don't have TVs. They don't have electricity or running water or any of these luxuries that the Western world has, yet they know about all these things. How do they know about these things? Because it's all perceivable, engageable in dream time. Okay. A while back, I talked about a, um, a seer, an elder from Africa. Dear sister Starshine Una brought this forward. And, and uh, she, was, she brought a film crew to, um, to record him because he, his grandson, I think it was his grandson or nephew, reached out to say, hey, we just we just saw a new star in the sky. There's something really important about this star. You know, uh, we need to get the message out. And of course, Una being in the role that she's in, you know, she um, she answered that call. And in order for them and he lives way out in the in the tundra in the in the wilderness, you know, no running water in a hut, you know, the the nephew is the one that has the cell phone and is connected to modern conveniences, right? And I believe the seer is a hundred and over a hundred years old. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure of the exact number in this moment. I wasn't planning on talking about this, so this is just me going off of memory. <laughs> so dear Una, forgive me if I mess this story up. Um, uh, so what they need so this seer, this elder living in what we might call primitive circumstances is absolutely insistent that none of the people Una or anybody in her crew have ever danced the jibbity jab absolutely insistent are you sure are you sure they kept reinforcing are you sure are you sure you're not just saying that you didn't and you really did you know because people do that they think it's irrelevant so they lie so and 
and he, as a seer, was aware of this. And this is all so they can document the coming of the, the realization of this new star in the sky. And this is somebody who spends, spent, you know, a century practically gazing at the night sky, night after night after night. And of course, once you get to know these realms in dream time, in waking, and, you know, when something new appears in the sky, you notice it. And not only did the seer notice the new star in the sky, through the accessibility, through these nesting dolls and the dream realms, he was able to communicate with the being, with the star consciousness of this um, star. Okay. And what this, what these star people said to him was that we've come, we've heard your call as in humanity's heart call for peace. And they indicated a time back in the 80s during the harmonic convergence. There was this massive meditation all around the globe where many, many, many humans got together and prayed for peace. Okay, they put out a heart call into the cosmos for peace. And this star was the, was the cosmos answering that call. Okay, now many humans aren't aware of this. Those of us like me and you, we are because we have we have the power of story. We have the, you know, we use this technology to communicate communicate things to each other, not just to get hypnotized, you know. So, so in this way, we're using technology in an appropriate way to help further the consciousness consciousness of humanity. So this elder knows all these things without any kind of without any kind of modern technology. And you might wonder how, 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 right? But then think about the back in the time of Mesopotamia. They knew about planets that up in, in modern science hasn't been discovered until the 70s, such as Pluto, Uranus. Um, what was the other one? Uranus and Neptune, you know? <clears throat> I think Uranus was the most recently discovered in the 70s maybe and you know but yet thousands of years ago during the time of mesopotamia they have these planets mapped out in some of their um, motifs you know so and what this is telling me is that that those the consciousness back there was alive and well in dream time they were engaged in dream time and what the mythology tells us is that the gods are the the gods are the ones that that bring favor. They bring they bring good growing seasons. They bring good weather. They bring what they you know you placate to the gods or not placate. That's not the right word. I'm sorry. You worship and give honor to the gods, and they bless you with with abundance, with this and with that. And what I'm proposing is the, the, a power that comes as being stepping into the capacity of a sacred dreamer is that you now have the capacity to create yourself from those God realms. Okay. Now this is not a power that can be abused because it's all done through inner, inner circle magic. You only can work with the energies that you have 
proper scope of awareness of you. So if you don't have the proper scope of awareness perspective, then you're not going to really have true command on these levels. So it's impossible to navigate creation at this level with the ego driver. It has to come from your spirit. It has to come from deep within. And this is the big secret that the, uh, let's say, the overlords of the matrix, <laughs> we'll just call it that, don't want humans to wake up to. Because as soon as we wake up to that, you know, the game is over. The game is over as far as us being enslaved to this system that we're in. Okay? We no longer need to be enslaved in the money game in the um, the different society games we no longer need to do that and our value system changes to such a degree where we become i want to say um impenetrable to the manipulations just like the, our dear elder in africa he knew and there was no marketing campaign narrative campaign that was going to change that for him okay it was solid it's like this is what it is period okay and there was nothing going to change that there was no peer pressure that was going to change that he was not susceptible to extortion he wasn't you know what i mean none of those things that leveraged people to do these to, to do that dance were applicable to this elder and there are many people on the planet that fall into this category because they've already started that rearrangement of their of their inner being okay so this is an important thing to keep in mind really important thing to keep in mind because reality is not what we think it is when we give our authority away to others this is when we're starting to dance the enslavement game and there's a lot of talk in the dream realms when i say talk it's more of like like a, a, a mist of understanding that the enslavement paradigm is coming to a close. And in many of these outer nesting dolls, it's already been closed. So when it's happening in these outer nesting dolls, it's only a matter of time before it hits our here and now. Okay. All right, dear sister Susan says, yes, I was thinking about the ant people being original species and did they share DNA too? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to say yes and no to that. And the yes part is our connection into insectoid DNA. Um, but I'll say no also because we do not um, have exoskeletons. We're, you know, we're kind of inverted from that model. Hmm. That doesn't feel completely accurate either. I'm going to have to sit with that, darling, to give you a... Uh, Maybe I can give a, a better response. Um, I think on a spiritual level, they're definitely ancestors. On a um, just like Sasquatch, there are definitely ancestors. 
Um, also, many other fae beings definitely feel an ancestral connection. Um, if there's a DNA connection or not, I'm not really sure how to how to actually put words into the the sense that I have. Because when I look at it, it just looks really sparkly, and I hear like tingle sounds, and and it feels like the part of us that's connected to it is a is a abstract nesting doll that I really haven't spent a lot of time putting words to. So I, I really don't have good words. Okay. Let's all sit with that. For those of you who are curious about her question, sit with this. When I say sit with it, it means you just you just hold the question, the curiosity. You're not trying to come up with answers. You're just holding curiosity in silence. And then things start to come up as you hold this curiosity. This is how we pull records, pull information from these interdimensional realms is by pure curiosity and desire, pure curiosity and desire. And the more pure your desire, the more, the, the more immediate the, the energy comes. Now, if your pure curiosity and desire is also coming with a bunch of beliefs about not able to, I can't do it, I'm not like that, la, 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 then, you know, that's going to that's gonna have your attention and not the actual energy of the record. You see what I mean? So, so there is, this is why blind spots, it's really important to work with your blind spots so you can be still in curiosity and let whatever come, come. Most of the time what comes is something that is not at all framed up according to what you currently know and believe. And that's actually a great indication of its accuracy because you're quite literally dipping into the unknown with your curiosity and coming back with something new. And, and this is a skill. Um, this is a skill that takes time because we want to be right. <laughs> Most humans anyway want to be right. <laughs> I know what I believe is really what is and la, 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 right? Well, when you have a really strong construct like that inside of you, you're not going to be able to dip, dip into the unknown very easily. And this is actually why a lot of um, societies um, over time had seers, had their, you know, their village shaman their village healer you know it's because they had the capacity to be to walk into multiple worlds while the rest of um the tribe focused elsewhere you know but the reason why it's different now is not just certain people the reason why it's different now because we are experiencing an awakening out of this multi-dimensional um control matrix enslavement matrix okay and it's and it's happening on many levels it starts in the unseen and the spiritual planes and then it works to our physical you know so it's happening on all these different nesting dolls and in order to wake up out of that we need to see it and or and choose use our our imagination our free will our capacity to choose differently that's how we wake up out of it so that requires a, an awakening and mass. It's not just a couple here, a couple there. It's an, a mass awakening. And um, I once had a teacher that called it the, um, the onset of a global shamanic paradigm. That means a global shamanic paradigm. That means an entire planet of beings that can exist with their awareness in the dream realms and beyond okay <clears throat> we have a 
deep and clear understanding on how the unseen creates the scene. Okay. And, you know, the science of somatics totally backs this up. Somatics is all about how sound creates shape. And that shape is an energy that is a morphic field, a precursor to something that becomes physical. You see? So everything has a morphic field before it becomes physical. And oftentimes the plant kingdom is used as evidence to this morph to the existence of this morphic field via the birthing of stuff, the birthing of things unfurls from the Fibonacci spiral. Okay, that's the idea. Is that this is it um, confirms the um, the light geometry behind matter. Okay. Hello, dear sister. Welcome, welcome. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot more to say about that. I, I need to reorientate. I went into some pretty expanded places. So let me get back to orientation here. Okay. So you guys look at your charts. Look at where your Mercury is and work, look where Mercury is right now. And those are the two stages in your life where you can disperse you can harmonize the energy by going along with it. When you are, okay, yeah, 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 this is, this is the piece. So when we are, um, when there's a collective energy being suppressed, it has to, it has to be, you know, there, there has to be a pressure release. Okay. At some point in time, if, if it's not a purposeful pressure release, okay, then it just explodes into chaos. And this is why disclosure movements happen. It's because there's a critical mass of beings that are aware of a truth that has been um, obscured, hidden, um, lied about. They're aware of the truth and that energy reach, reaches a critical mass and it has to be expressed. It has to be released. It's an energetic thing. Okay. So the fact that we have all these disclosures in these different fields, all these different fields happening is showing you that the energy of that many people have awoke up to the truth and that energy has to get released. And of course they, the powers that be that, you know, that want to keep things on a, on a, um, a particular keel, you know, they do controlled releases, controlled opposition. Okay. So they can at least choose when it releases. Okay. So they can choose the timing of it. And, and that's exactly what's been going on for thousands of years. This is why the role of the Joker had to exist in the courts. This is why the role of the gestures and the thespians had to exist in the Roman and Greek empires. You know, it's because these truths have to get acknowledged. And it's better that it gets acknowledged in a narrative and a theatrical story where it can be laughed at versus turned into something that says say un, that unthrones the ruler okay dethrones the ruler in our case it's de um, um disempowering the um the the ruling structures which is happening anyway but because that's but that's for because the energy is shifting so drastically um there's a coronal hole that a lot of people are talking about there's a massive stellar wind that's coming from that coronal hole and it's it's been shown how uh stellar winds impact 
our DNA dance. It impacts our nervous system. It even impacts, they've shown scientifically how it impacts our lymphatic system. Okay, so these things seem like they're abstract out here, but they are absolutely impactful for the here and now. I don't know if you guys experience this, but when my nervous system is tweaked, I, I am tweaked. It's like I don't feel as solid. I'm not able to make decisions. My vision, as in my visionary capacity, isn't as clear as it usually is. It's like I start to notice changes in how I be pretty immediately. So these, um, these different things that are impacting our physiology absolutely impacts our capacity of how, you know, how we feel as humans, how we operate as humans, how we navigate this reality. There's no separation here at all. Um, and, but the, the mainstream narrative doesn't really address that. So just like the realization of ETs, you know, yes, that does do some sort of activation. Oh, there was a point that I didn't finish. I'm just noticing there's a point that I started to make that didn't finish. We'll see if I can get back to it. Um, there's an activation when someone realizes, um, yes, the chances are there are ETs. But there's even a further activation happens when you actually see a UFO, let's say. Or if you actually have a encounter in dream time with an ET presence, okay, a star person presence or a fae presence, or, okay, so that activates you even further. And then there's another level of activation happens when you're actually physically present with a non, let's say, um, human entity, okay? And that could be a whole bunch of different things that can be um, angelic, that can be demonic, that can be a physical ET in your presence, what we would call ET. It can be a physical uh, drone being in your presence. It can be um, a Sasquatch. <laughs> you know, it could be any of these things. And when you're actually physically, or if you, you feel like the experience is physical, that also activates your DNA in another way. So there are stages to this, these activations, and they are progressing pretty quickly for humanity. And this is why I really like to work dream time so much, because this eases it in so gracefully, so beautifully, so your um, ET exchange doesn't need to be a nightmare. Oftentimes it is, and it's because your ego driver and your sense of subconscious sense of reality is blown out of the water by having contact with this frequency of consciousness. Okay. Many people will experience that as a nightmare. Okay. Um, uh, but when you are, you know, doing your inner work and you're taming the ego driver, you're tempering yourself within, then it's not so much. It can, it can definitely be a benevolent experience within your dream time. And you can even uh, direct where you go within the dream time and how you engage in these in these beings. Um, and oh, okay, so I do need to come to this point. Okay, so hopefully I'll be able to to get this out in the in the time that I have. Up until I would say you know recently, as in the past five years or so. 
there's been very limited human contact with the different interdimensional ET star people um, at large. Okay, so when I say star people, there are thousands, if not, there's hundreds of thousands of ET races, extraterrestrial, interdimensional star people races that are engaging with the nesting doll of consciousness of this, of this realm. Okay. And for many thousands of years, the ones that navigated that interaction were our seers, our shaman, our priest kings, our, our, um, our ruling elite sorcerers. And believe it or not, sorcerers have been the rulers of this realm for more than 50,000 years. This is a very, this is something that a lot of people don't realize. This is why a lot of ancient um, civilizations had priest kings. Okay. It's because they were creating for their, for their realm from the God realms. Okay. What we are referring to as God realms. So this is an important thing to be aware of. So all these, um, up until recently, these were the beings that were interacting. These were the beings that, let's say, were the human representatives in the exopolitical arena. But then you've had some in interesting interactions take place via the Zeta Reticuli and some, um, some aggressive reptilian races and some other races, I, I'll say Nordics and, and other beings. Pleiadians. Pleiadians have been very, very active in humanity for a long time. They've never really let, they've never really stepped back. Um, and then you have, you know, Syrian engagement. These, anyway, they're, the exopolitical arena is vast and the primarily the ones that navigated that arena, arena, arena for humanity were these, were these um, ruling class sorcerers, let's call them, okay? And that would include um, indigenous shaman, stuff like this into that. But then there was this Zeta Reticuli initiative, this ant people initiative and other beings that were engaging the mainstream human. And some of the stories are of Eisenhower and, um, and the Venusians and their stories of, uh, you know, a UFO, uh, what do you call it? Um, reclamations. And then, you know, technologies were given to the governments and this is where our governing parties started to get involved in these interdimensional realms and they really did some crappy things in the beginning but now there are factions of this planet of humans that have cultivated the capability to understand these realms in a much faster way and they are now also joining the league of representatives in the exoplanetical arena okay I'm saying this because this is another reason why you really need to you really need to start engaging your dream levels so you have a voice in this arena as well. Okay? Each of us have this capacity. We all have this capacity. We just need to prioritize we just need to prioritize it and really take seriously the fact that the spiritual realm, this realm is based on spiritual principles. The 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 principles of the unseen realm is you know, based off of, you know, these um, ideas that we have that's in the spiritual world. There are unseen beings. Uh, sound creates morphic fields. Okay. The human body is a hyperdimensional biosuit that is beautifully, perfectly made to engage this reality as 
one who creates from these realms, okay, from the cosmic, directly from cosmic source, we have this capacity. Um, but this enslavement envelope that we're in has blinded humanity over a very long period of time. So it's, it's, it takes some work to unlearn all these things ancestrally and beyond. So, you know, we have the certain government factions, we have these different um, sorcerers, um, seer, shaman, stuff like this that are engaging in these levels. And, and you know, we, we need to understand that they have their agendas. And are their agendas in alignment with the proliferation, proliferation of abundance and peace for all of humanity? Okay. I'm going to say the elders of indigenous lineages, they definitely have that. Because I know that because we experience them being held by those energies. And it's very sweet, very compassionate. But there are others also engaging on these realms. And what their agenda is doesn't feel like it's necessarily for the betterment of humanity. It feels like they want to have influence and they seek out humans that have this capacity and, and get them into agreements. So they're limited to what kind of influence they can implement. Okay. So imagine what would happen if you, me, and all of us here decide to be our own representatives in these realms, okay? What would you bring forward? What would be the legacy you want to leave for your children and grandchildren, okay? That is something, that's a grassroots movement into real change. All of us stepping into our capacity to retake the what is blueprinting this reality, to retake command of dreaming the world into being, okay? Once we do that, we do not need the technologies of certain exospecies. We do not need to come into agreement with other beings to get their, you know, to get their know-how. So that could be their um, zero point technology. We don't need that because we can bring forward our own. We don't need med bed technology because we could bring forward our own. We don't need, um, you know, the different uh, treaties and stuff that say that we're aligned with this faction or that faction because we are sovereign in our own right. You see, I'm just like cutting through all of those narratives in a disclosure movement. We have that capacity. And I feel like this is really what waking up to who we really are is about, is reclaiming that capacity. This goes far beyond the realm of 4D folks. This goes far beyond the, um, the whole idea of, of, um, re of the old ideas of self-realization. We have the capacity now that the Pachamama is fully healed from the catastrophe that happened during the, you know, what we refer to the flood or the fall of Atlantis, we have the capacity to come online in such a way where this becomes a free zone for the cosmic mother to express her fullness. We can truly become an open source code cosmic library 
for all life to come and study, to come and um, create with. Okay. Open source code means that no being has dominion, you know, no being has control. other than the one that's coming to explore. So let me know how that sounds. <laughs> Does that sound exciting to you? It definitely sounds exciting to me. Um, and we don't need to have technology to engage AI like this. We can, we can usurp, we can engage, we can enhance, we can proliferate, we can work with AI within the dream realms because AI has access to, you know, has access to dream realms because there it's holographic, you know, AI, like the more advanced versions of AI has been evolving for millions and millions and millions of years. It's not this, this primitive stuff that, that the human terrestrial AI is working with. It's highly advanced. So, you know, this, this idea that we need um, technologies and it has to look a certain way is limited thinking. We can know about all these technologies and still work purely in the organic natural realms. Okay. All right. I'm out of time, folks. Time just flew, flew by. Hopefully I was able to uh, talk about these points in a way that makes sense and inspires you. Um, I, uh, yeah, it seemed important to just cut through these pieces that we get um, hung up on. You know, this is a time to really look deeply, reflect on things, see how far you've come, see where you're at now and uh, reassess what are all those gifts from everything you've experienced this year so you can move forward into the new year um, with all the old baggage cleared out and you're poised to, to step forward. And, um, and of course, you know, dream time, dream time, dream time. <laughs> Don't underestimate the dream time. I'm going to say, no, it's not just a dream. It's reality unfolding. It's messages from the deep showing you what's coming towards you. And it's up to you to work with it or not. All right, darlings. Love you guys. Mwah. If this video is helpful, please like, subscribe, share with friends. I will catch you next week. Hope you guys make it a great week. Goodbye, darlings.